0: Well, Libby, I I feel like before we even start the show, we owe our listeners an apology.
1: Yes, we do. We're sorry.
0: We were going to talk about the Star Wars holiday special, and we were so excited about it. And then computer glitches and malfunctions and just the whole world's against this dude, I swear to God.
1: (laughs) So we crossed, uh, I assume, Itchy, and a curse was put on us. Yeah. Some yeah. sort of wookie curse. We, we ruined Life Day, and we apologize. Mm-hmm.
0: But uh, all is not lost in the world of OST Party, because we still get to talk about Lumpy tonight.
1: Yes, we do, but in a different way, and probably one that's a little more palatable.
0: Yes. Join us, won't you? Thank you. And welcome to another fantabulous episode of the OST Party. This is a movie soundtrack podcast where movie fans and music fans get together and have a rocking good time talking about all of our favorite movie soundtracks. Hi, my name is Joseph Wade. I will be your host for this evening. Here with me tonight, as always, is my lovely and belligerent co-host Libby Cudmore. Libby, happy holidays.
1: Happy Life Day, Joe.
0: Happy Life Day, yes. Yes. So. Uh, and
1: this will be released on New Year's, so Happy New Year's, everyone. Let's yes, hope ha- 2021 is even better than the hellfire that this one has been.
0: Nuts to 2020, uh, raise a glass to 2021, yes.
1: Yes, indeed.
0: So I, I guess first question, how, you know, how's your holiday season been going?
1: It's been good, actually. I'm uh, very quiet, very nice, uh, as nice as it can be. I miss my family, but we're able to see them in little short masked moments, so that's been good. How about yours?
0: Oh, pretty good. Yeah, the same, same goes for us. We, uh, we had a very a safe, uh, socially distanced uh, family gathering, and everybody had a good time. So I'm good. thankful for that.
1: Yes, indeed. A lot to be thankful for.
0: Lots to be thankful for, including the fact that we get to come back and have another crack at a holiday episode. Of, of yes. Humanity. Really, we apologize. <laughs> we were going to do the Star Wars Holiday Special. We, we recorded it, and we were so excited, and then it vanished.
1: Yes, there was something with, uh, with the recording. It just disintegrated. I don't know what happened, but um, I think in a way it's good that we're talking about this one tonight for New Year's because the the theme is redemption, and I think we all kind of need that as we, we head into this next year. Mm-hmm. So, Joe, what are we talking about tonight?
0: Uh, we're talking about the 1988 Richard Donner film Scrooged, uh, starring Bill Murray as your... Uh, Scrooge character Frank Cross as a, a a TV executive in the 80s who is you know the, the meanest man in television, but uh, be- through a series of uh, uh, spiritual awakenings he has a change of heart and becomes everybody's favorite uh, Christmas man about town. Um, but before we get into Scrooge, we have a poll to talk about from our last episode. Yes. Uh, so last episode we talked about. Uh, jingle all the way, with Arnold. Schwarzenegger. <laughs> I've been
1: thinking about nonstop. Really? Yes, I can't explain it. I've just been thinking about this film a lot.
0: I mean, it's it's hard to escape, really. Oh, did you yeah. see? Somebody put up a tweet, a video recently where like TBS aired "Jingle All the Way," and for whatever reason. It cut to credits like right in the middle of Arnold's uh, big superhero moment. Like that was. The oh end of the movie. no! And it just looks like he takes off, and then the movie the movie ends, <laughs> <laughs> which I honestly kind of prefer.
1: That's hysterical. That's See you weird. later,
0: Jamie. Dad's got other stuff to, to worry about.
1: That's actually appropriate.
0: Yeah, cause let Myron have him anyway. Uh, <laughs> poll. For Jingle All The Way, we asked you what the best song on that soundtrack was. And with 48% of the vote, uh, you weirdos voted for Clarence Carter's Backdoor Santa.
1: You love a butt sex joke, and I appreciate that.
0: <sighs> Too many of y'all out there. It's um, play- a great it's- song. It really is. I can't, I can't complain, but it's just, man, really. Um, second place with tw- uh, 29, excuse me, 30% uh, Sleigh Ride with uh, Brian Sensor Orchestra and Darlene Love. I feel like uh, robbed of first place, if you ask me.
1: I don't know. I mean, on one hand, it's just one more rendition of Sleigh Ride. On the other hand, I can't stop thinking about it.
0: it on the other hand, it is Darlene Love, so it is it is automatically amazing.
1: Yes, agreed.
0: And then in uh, respectable third place, uh, tied for third with 11% uh, each, Jingle Bells, and So They Say It's Christmas. So pretty good turnout for the Jingle All the Way episode. I think this is one that a lot, a lot of people seem to like, and I think we're just a couple of grinchy curmudgeons about it?
1: Maybe. Um, I think also we're of the generation we saw it like when we were all kids. And so some people, I think, have a softer view of it, which is fine.
0: Maybe. We welcome
1: all types here.
0: That's true. And I mean, we're going to get into a little bit of that here with Scrooge because, you know, it's a little bit older than Jingle All the Way, but not really. And it's kind of of the same sort of generation of Christmas movies. And depending on your age, you're either really nostalgic for it or you think it's just kind of abrasive and weird
1: or both and I you mean, love it as an adult but also remember what deeply upset you as a child oh abs- absolutely yeah there's a lot to be upset by here
0: which i mean that's you leads into the first question libby uh, you know what what's your history with scrooge
1: i think i probably saw it um not as a kid, but like as an older, not quite a teenager, but an older kid, probably, you know, 11 or 12. I think um, we probably rented it at, uh, at Video Central. I don't exactly remember, um, but I, there are some parts that still upset me, upset me then, upset me now. So, Joe, what about yours?
0: I remember seeing this way too young. Like, I've had to have been like five or six years old. Oof. And my mom's side of the family, like my uncle's family, they're all, they all swear by Saturday Night Live and all of those like actors mm-hmm. turn movie stars. So like, every, you know, Christmas Vacation, huge hit, like it should be with the family. Every Adam Sandler movie, huge hit. Elf, they fucking love it. Scrooge is in there too, because it's Bill Murray. And I remember going to my uncle's house for Thanksgiving or Christmas, you know, holiday season when I was five or six, it being on TV and scaring me to death. Oh, yeah. And not watching it again until very recently, three, four years ago, I finally came to <laughs> it. But yeah, now as an adult, I love it.
1: Yeah, it's good. And um, it's funny because um, Bill Murray in this, of course, playing Frank Cross, looks a lot like my friend Steve. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of kept picturing my friend Steve. And <laughs> Bill Murray is a frequent guest around Cooperstown. He actually performed here, this little like jazz duo or whatever he does or reads poetry or something, uh, at Glimmerglass Opera, as if I remember correctly, they could not give those tickets away. Um, <laughs> I just remember getting the, the, uh, the notice, like there's still seats available. Like the opera sells out every year. And so not for what? Bill Murray, but I, I think he, uh, he comes up to Cooperstown very frequently. I have never seen him.
0: Was it all poetry about golf?
1: No, I don't remember the full extent of it, but um...
0: that, that's I imagine because I, I know the Murrays are like big into golf, so I just assume it's it's all golf related uh, couplets and stands.
1: Apparently to... they also have a joke where they call Kelly Lynch's husband every time Roadhouse is on TV. Yeah, and make fun of her. <laughs> <sighs>
0: oh my God, Which
1: is adorable.
0: That's great. Oh boy so. Before we get into Scrooge proper, I have some billboarding school to talk about. Really? Because, of course, I do. So, this movie uh, came out uh, Thanksgiving weekend, 1988. Made $100 million at the box office on a $32 million budget. Pretty good. Mm-hmm. Opened number one at the box office that weekend over Land Before Time, Oliver and Company, Cocoon 2, and Ernest Saves Christmas.
1: Okay. Well, I don't know which is darker uh scrooged or the land before time because scrooge e- eases you into the darkness 15 minutes into the land before time it's like your mom's gonna get murdered yeah, have it, fun with your dinosaur friends
0: yeah it just bludgeons you to death with it
1: <laughs> yeah so i don't know which is worse and then oliver and company is also depressing and has billy joel
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. anyway let's go to the actual charts uh, so the album, the soundtrack for Scrooge, hit the Billboard 200 at number 183, December 3rd, 80, 1988, the number one album that week, and the number one soundtrack that week, U2's Rattlin' Home.
1: I always forget that that was a concert film, so that it would technically <laughs> yeah. be a soundtrack. So it, I, U2 I is that... on, our, on our minds, which we'll talk about later.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's very relevant. Uh, my second favorite U2 song's on that album, so I can't say too much bad about it. <laughs> Which one? I like I like Desire. So sick. that's a good
1: song. What's your first favorite you two?
0: Uh, Hold me, throw me, kiss me, kill me. It's I thought so. It's Batman Desire, but you know, yeah. whatever. Uh, <laughs> the number four soundtrack that week was Cocktail. Nice. Fucking beach boys.
1: <laughs> anyway,
0: so okay, Scrooge lasted about nine weeks on the charts. It peaked at number 93. It was off the charts by the first week in February. The number one album, the week it fell off the charts, was Bobby Brown's Don't Be Cruel. No. And the top yeah. soundtrack at number 10 was still U2's Rattle and Hum.
1: Wow, we were really into U2 yeah, in 1989. Surprisingly,
0: surprisingly popular, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. yeah, that leads us into talking about Scrooged, which I think we're going to do a little bit differently tonight because um, you and I had a very hard time actually finding half the songs on this album in the movie.
1: Yes, um, a lot of the music cues are very uh, subtle. They're very low, and so you'll pick out just a fraction of it, and then it's gone. Obviously, there's a couple that are are some you know big scene pieces, but uh, a lot of them are really kind of hidden in there.
0: Yeah, and then some of them just aren't on the soundtrack at all. Like you know, they, we didn't need to have Wooly Bully on the Scrooge soundtrack, but it's in the movie. No.
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: But you know what I kind of wish had been in the, on the soundtrack is whatever song Robert Goulet is singing at the beginning of this movie. 8.30, and America's best-loved singer invites you to share a home-style holiday when it's Bob Goulet's old-fashioned Cajun Christmas.
1: I'm kind of disappointed that those aren't real. Uh, yeah. The promos for uh, Robert Goulet's Down Home Cajun Christmas... And um, is that Fat Man? Is that what uh, Lee Majors is in?
0: Kind of looks like it, doesn't it? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'd rather watch the night the reindeer died than uh, uh, Fat Man.
0: Me too. Yeah, and I have to imagine that's the that that little short, the night the reindeer died with Lee Majors, is the short that inspired Weird Al's uh, "The Night Santa Went Crazy."
1: Possibly, <laughs> uh, although they're protecting Santa in that one. That's
0: true, but like you know, it's it's a lot of uh, you know, it's a lot of gunplay and. Uh, explosions for no good reason, and I appreciate yeah.
1: that. Yeah, maybe more like the uh, Christmas at Ground Zero.
0: That's true. Yeah.
1: So, um, the yeah, uh, Father Loves Beaver takes the uh, <laughs> the joke just a little too far, but it's still yeah, funny.
0: That's a little much, but okay, <laughs> I'll give it to him. <laughs> but yeah, that's it, it's like the, that's the first like signpost that this is a very like late '80s kind of Christmas movie because yes. the comedy is so just like obnoxious and like in your face kind of not quite offensive, but it kind of walks the line up to offensive. Yeah.
1: It's cheeky. It's um, ch- yeah. And also not on the soundtrack. This is a very short soundtrack. Uh, none of the score, which from the instant I heard, I thought I bet that's Danny Elfman and I looked it up and it's Danny Elfman.
0: It sure is. I think it was like the second score he'd ever done right behind uh, uh, Beetlejuice. Or no no t- not 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 never mind I should take that back I forgot about Pee Wee yes um
1: <laughs> yes. uh, and he'd done Batman by this point too
0: that's true yeah so yeah but it's still it's one of the that first run of like Danny Elfman film scores
1: and yeah as as boy. Boingo Boingo was kind of winding down and he was doing more composing work th- um this is a lovely score but it's better used in the Nightmare Before Christmas which like his score to. uh, Dick Tracy, two years later, ends up being recycled into a lot of The Nightmare Before Christmas, <laughs> to the yep. point where even uh, my husband was like, oh, this is the part used in uh, Jack's montage. Yep. I, I was I like, yeah, it's the scene it. where Sally throws herself out the window to escape Dr. Finkelstein. Like, you could hear it. Mm-hmm. I love Danny Elfman, but the-, the man spent a couple years ripping himself off.
0: Yeah, I mean, when, when when you're suddenly like the hot new composer in town, I mean, you're gonna sleepwalk through some of those uh,
1: assignments. I guess, but dude, it's a nightmare before Christmas. Like, you, this, all eyes are on you, man. You better better not just take from some of your lesser movies.
0: Well, who's gonna notice?
1: I guess, except two dopes with a podcast.
0: Us, 25 years later. That's true. story <laughs> for your crimes, Danny Elfman. <laughs> Okay, so what we're going to do instead is we're going to take you through the soundtrack song by song, and we're going to talk a little bit about the scenes they appear in, a little bit about the songs themselves, and uh, we'll see how it goes.
1: Yeah, because you know the, you know A Christmas Carol. This one follows it pretty faithfully.
0: Yeah, uh, uh, N- to, the, to the point where like a lot of the adaptation of it is is very clever. Yes. I really appreciate some of the turns that it takes, where it like, even... It's not Jacob Marley, it's but it's it's Cross's old boss like, appears to him and then he talks to his uh his ex girlfriend Claire the next day. He's like, Oh, yeah, it must have been something I ate. That's that's straight out of a Christmas Carol. So they they follow the letter, they follow it not to the letter, but pretty damn closely.
1: But also, one of the things I really appreciate this is none of them, none of the character names are derivative of the characters in a Christmas Carol but which i it's very easy to fall back on those kind of things yeah but um but it's not now does your town have a production of a christmas carol that they do every year yes they do all right how is it
0: um i've seen it once or twice it's it's usually pretty good
1: stage play or musical
0: oh stage play okay
1: yeah ours uh is a stage play it's produced every year by um uh, actually a friend of mine who I'm actually doing a show with come March with my friend Steve, who looks like Bill Murray. Nice. Uh, (laughs) And it stars a couple of my other friends. So we go. um, Every couple of years, we usually stop by. It's it's sweet. You know, it's always a good story. Oh, yeah. Our friend Mike plays Scrooge, and he does all the prosthetics, like the, you know, the makeup and everything. He does it really, really well. So... It's a good time.
0: It's generally pretty hard to mess up a Christmas Carol, I think.
1: Oh, someone's got to find a way.
0: Oh, obviously. But, like, it's it's a, it's a story that, you know, enough people know, enough people have have seen year in and year out that I think everybody is kind of attuned to the way it should go. Um, yeah. It, I mean, it's like I said, it's pretty hard to, to mess up uh, a Christmas Carol, whether you're doing it with Muppets or with Mickey Mouse or Mr. Magoo, even like it, everybody's got a pretty good take on it, I think.
1: So, yeah, there's a really good uh, Mr... Sorry, not Mr. Bean. Um, there's a very good Blackadder version of A Christmas Carol that does some very cool things with it uh, if you're a fan of Rowan Atkinson's Blackadder. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely worth checking out.
0: Okay. Let's jump straight into the soundtrack with the the one song that, if you know Scrooge at all, you are probably well aware of, you're probably very familiar with. It is... Put a little love in your heart by any Any Linux and Al Green.
1: Let's go to a clip. A hand, a love in your heart. you see it's- is a christmas song now it wasn't originally but this is a christmas song it's a
0: christmas song if you appreciate it at christmas that's how i feel that's fair but yeah so uh, tell us a little bit about this one
1: yes um this song was originally written uh in 1969 by jackie DeShannon. um and she was sort of uh this was what she was best known for now couple things about Jackie DeShannon. She was. She also wrote Betty Davis Eyes and is the wife of Randy Edelman. Do you remember where you last heard that name on our podcast?
0: No, but I know that name's familiar.
1: Randy Edelman wrote the score to The Mask.
0: Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's a connection I was not ready for.
1: Me neither. Yeah, so this was um, kind of a song she became very famous for. And her version is great but there's something about annie lennox Mm -hmm. i don't know if it's her her range the lushness of her voice um that her voice is so bold but it's also very tender i'm not sure what it is but I, i just absolutely love this version
0: it's so. it's yeah, there's something about it that just it it kind of takes you back as soon as you hear it.
1: Mm-hmm. Um and of course she's duetting with uh with Al Green, the Reverend Al Green. Yes. Um so which is is nice. Again, you get something very soulful and then something very energetic and 80s. Because but you know, uh she's still with the the Eurythmics at this point. Um and It's a moment in time. Mm -hmm. It sounds exactly like December 1988 and the snow is falling over New York. And it's just it's a lovely, cozy feeling for a time that it was like five years old when this came out. I don't know what that feels like, but I do when I listen to this song.
0: You know, it's, it's, it's funny. I was going to say like much this exact same thing about the movie even. Because like this is exactly what I remember my childhood feeling like. It's like the look and feel of this movie, and like <sighs> when when people say nostalgia, like this, it's this, like the the way this film is shot and this, the way New York looks in this film. That's what I remember about my childhood on TV. And that's what this, like, reminds me of is, like, I I mean, being a little, like, little Frank Cross watching TV as a kid, like, I remember watching Scrooge and thinking that New York City looked really cool at Christmas time.
1: It actually really does. Mm -hmm. New York at Christmas is so beautiful, and people kind of shit on New York, but it really is something about a New York City Christmas.
0: Mm-hmm. I yeah, can, we can't explain it. We've we've talked about that on our uh, Home Alone episode.
1: Yeah, exactly. Because and there's a reason that a lot of Christmas films are set in New York. It's yeah, because it's
0: beautiful. Just, there's just nothing like it.
1: Yeah, and although uh, Al Green, uh, who's been accused by both his ex-wife and coworkers and bandmates, uh, might want to give putting a little love in his heart a try, because he's been accused of a lot of assault in his life. So. Oh boy. Maybe give that one a shot, Al Green. Nobody uh, tell what you what you to do with your life.
0: Practice what you <laughs> preach.
1: <sighs> <laughs> to be fair, all that was back in the seventies, so maybe he's he's yeah, turned around. Yeah, like to think that's, so. That's true. But man, what a voice!
0: It, what it's... two voices? What what a yeah, pair of exactly. voices in this! But so, also this. So this song is like this is the, the theme song for the movie, basically. And it you know not only does it appear at the very end with Bill Murray and the entire cast singing it. Over the end credits, it appears um, a couple more times throughout the film as well. Kind of as throughout yes. the, I guess the running theme going throughout the film is every time you hear, uh, you hear it on the radio a lot in in various points in the film, and it's 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 always kind of in the background of your you know it's it's sort of the message of the whole movie for Frank is put a little love in your heart to, you know make your make yourself more available more willing to. You know, be better, and mm-hmm. the the song just is is, is always kind of peppered in the into the film to sort of guide him along the way. I, I kind of love that.
1: Yeah, and it's funny because I was thinking about this. Um, I have a I know a guy who has is determined. He's fighting sort of a one man war on Christmas. Oh he's boy. determined that you know holidays are dumb. And no one should celebrate them and just be really curmudgeon-y. And I've been trying to think of like why that bothers me. Because he didn't wish me a Merry Christmas. And it's like, that's fine. You know, you don't have to wish me a Merry Christmas. But then we like talk throughout the day and it's like, is there something you want to say? Because for instance, I don't celebrate Kwanzaa. But if I see that it's Kwanzaa. I'm going to wish somebody happy Kwanzaa because clearly it means something to them. And so I want to say that if it's your birthday, it's not my birthday, but I'm going to wish you happy birthday because that's important to you. And so this idea of just going out of your way in this, the year of our Lord 2020, after everything we have been through to be like, I'm not going to wish anybody happy holidays in any form because... I don't think they should have them. It just strikes me as so absurd. Like, you're really going to be that asshole, huh? It's,
0: I, it, it's the exact opposite of the sentiment where like some people want to police how people celebrate the holidays. And I think yeah. that's even worse. Yes. Like, don't tell me how to, how to, how I should celebrate Christmas and don't tell me that I shouldn't celebrate Christmas. Just leave me alone.
1: Yeah. Just if you could see it's that's fine. If you don't celebrate it or anything. That's perfectly fine. But part of being human is recognizing what makes other people happy and wishing that for them. And we see that with Frank. He wishes um, his brother a happy new year, but will not say Merry Christmas to him. Yeah, yeah. And I had uh, an ex who wouldn't celebrate New Year's. He's just like, what's the point? It's just like every other day. Like, no, no. It isn't because we as a global society have decided that we're going to take one evening where we feel good about things, where we make promises, where we, like Frank says, we be the people that we tell ourselves we're going to be all year round. And we, we pledge to do that and whether we do or not. Is neither here nor there, but it's that we set that time aside. And I don't know that just that he wouldn't do that just seemed so cynical and defeatist. Mm-hmm. Like, why do anything? Why get out of bed in the morning? What's the point? You're just going to get back in.
0: Yeah. I mean, he, he must be George Costanza. You he know? kind of like, I like the daily is. news.
1: <laughs> but it's, it, that's just, to me, that seems like a very depressing way to live your life, to yeah. not celebrate anything. It also, I mean... It,
0: it also just sounds exhausting. Yeah. To be, like, on your guard about that all the time. Just just play along for a day, man.
1: Or don't. But don't go around telling people what they should do or not do.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: But it's like, okay, well, cool. Am I not buying you a gift this year? Yeah. Can't celebrate. If you're, if you're not celebrating holidays, I'm not buying you a gift.
0: That's like writing that's like sending somebody a Christmas card and then inside it writing I'm not wishing you a Merry Christmas. Like yeah. why even go through the effort?
1: Yeah, just don't I guess it's just one of those things. If you see somebody celebrating something, ask what they're celebrating if you don't know. Mm-hmm. And wish them joy. And again, like this is not you don't have to celebrate Christmas. Wish somebody a happy life day. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. just this isn't this isn't a new thing that we invented. Uh, whether you believe in or accept the commercialization and the you know wide ranging societal acceptance of Christmas, fine, whatever. That's that is a personal choice that you make, and I respect and accept it. But if you see other people celebrating, it's very it's kind to wish them well. Mm-hmm. Is what it comes down to. Don't be that asshole.
0: Yeah, and like when you when you see people cynical people say stuff like oh well what do atheists do on christmas as a lapsed christian i can tell you we kind of just celebrate christmas yeah it's fine it's perfectly fine give a gift put up a tree who cares
1: yeah just enjoy celebrate yule celebrate hanukkah celebrate kwanzaa celebrate that it is the end of the year and we are with family and we are with loved ones as much as we can be because as the great poet Soul Asylum once said, we lived through another day. It's a good excuse to celebrate. Like, why, why not?
0: Props to you for that one.
1: Yes. <laughs> what, reached all the way back into the archives. Whew. First episode. Damn. So, can you believe we've been doing this for three years?
0: Heaven help us. No. I, oh my God. I remember the, those first episodes we were doing when we were still not even sure this was going to work. And also, like, I did way too much editing on those first two or three episodes. (laughs) (laughs) But we've come to kind of hit a good rhythm now, and I really love what we do. So
1: Yes, I do, too. And we're so glad we get to share this with you.
0: Absolutely. So, So, I guess, um, anything else about uh, Put a Little Love in Your Heart? Of course, obviously, this song has gone on to be, you know, used in, you know, countless TV jingles and commercials and things. So uh, this one never really went away.
1: Yeah, it's okay to wish me happy Honda days.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, hey, we celebrate Toyotathon in this, (laughs) episode.
1: Well, happy Toyotathon.
0: Thank you. I own a Subaru.
1: (laughs) I own a Chevy Cruze. (laughs) We had a Honda, but I got hit by a guy driving a pizza delivery vehicle while eating two ice cream cones, so we no longer have a Honda. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) That's what happened to me this year.
0: Now, the second uh, song on this album... I don't really know what to make of. Uh, it's Mark Lennon with the song A Wonderful Life. Uh, let's take a listen.
1: I will say this. Uh huh. When we look back at some of the other, you know, Christmas movies we've done, they fall into very, shall we say, traditional soundtracks. So even Jingle All the Way was covers of traditional Christmas songs.
0: Yeah, they um, did it up in a the, 90s style. but uh,
1: Yes, this one does not fall into that trap, which I really appreciate. This is not, you know, Cocktail Christmas 1988. No. And the fact that, uh, you know, Put a Little Love in Your Heart became a Christmas song uh, is sort of fascinating, but oh, yeah. um, but this, of course, titled uh, "A Wonderful Life," like the the Christmas favorite, uh, yeah. but has nothing to do with either. Yeah, not a either bit. <laughs> Christmas or Jimmy Stewart.
0: Mm-hmm. Take your pick.
1: So. Now, how many singles did this movie have?
0: So, according to Wikipedia, which knows everything. Uh, this soundtrack had nine songs, seven of which were released as radio singles. That is a Oh, boy. That's literally the most amazing <laughs> thing I've heard all night.
1: <laughs> yes, and this was one of them.
0: Yeah, this, this was.
1: Again, I do like that this soundtrack decided to go in the new wave uh, dance pop, mm. synth pop 80s uh, vein. They decided to really lean into that. Uh, Mark Lennon is apparently from the band... Venice, this is a very, like, go West, wham, kind of 80, late 80s pop sound. Um.
0: Yeah, there's a little bit of debarge in this sound. Like, I can hear yes. it. Yes.
1: I can see why this was a single, though. Oh, um, yeah. It's extremely catchy. It's a little forgettable. So it's sort of like a strong B-side. Mm-hmm. Not quite enough to hold its own. But definitely deserves not to just languish on the album.
0: Yeah, it, it does has all the hallmarks of like a late 80s, top 40s single, for sure.
1: Yeah, there's a, a riff that kind of reminds me of uh, Madonna's Open Your Heart. Mm. I don't know if you picked up on that. Yeah, the but... chorus
0: kind of, I can hear that. I definitely yeah. can hear that.
1: So, but um and I looked to see if any of the songwriters involved had had worked with Madonna and it, it didn't appear that way cuz I thought mm. oh maybe they're pulling a Danny Elfman and just recycling.
0: And <laughs> what well, well what we're going to find out is this is really a very eclectic and odd uh, selection of artists cuz it Yes. a lot of it doesn't really cohere at all. It's just this is what was popular in 1988, but also it all kind of matches the sound of the film perfectly.
1: Yes, but without ever really being Christmassy. Yeah, and so it it's it's surprising, especially when we think about you know last week's entry with "Jingle mm-hmm. All the Way," that <laughs>
0: which, which was so that, like aggressively, offensively Christmassy.
1: Yes, and never charted, mm-hmm. but this one stayed on the charts for what three months?
0: Yeah. It's almost like um, they had an eye, they, they were gunning for that. They had an eye towards like, you know, making this successful as like a radio single, you know.
1: Yes. And it had time. a little bit of longevity past Christmas. Right. So, which is impressive.
0: Mm-hmm. And,
1: and I think it, it's because there's really only like two Christmas songs on here.
0: That's true, yeah. So, yeah, A Wonderful Life so a, it's a, it's a decent song on the album.
1: It's kind of the one that you would discover on the later listens. like you pull the hits and then then you kind of come back to this one
0: yeah yeah
1: so it's the um, the bricklin
0: <laughs> that's a good analogy yeah yes I I can, I can get I can get on board with that
1: yes um, Mark Lennon did not have a Wikipedia page I had to look him up myself oh okay <laughs>
0: moving on so what, what's uh, what's next?
1: Oh God! Next, going back to uh, our earlier conversation of you two, we have the new voices of freedom covering the sweetest thing. Let's let's go to a clip. <laughs>
0: First of all, listening to this soundtrack, I did not realize that the sweetest thing was this old.
1: Yeah, because I, I don't think I got a video until the Greatest Hits collection was released. Right, that they first singles collection.
0: They hadn't re-released it until like the late '90s. So yeah, I was kind of shocked um, to hear that in, in on the soundtrack.
1: Yeah, I always I, I thought the same way, and it was one of those things where I think for a while I. Thought he might have been Elvis Costello because he looks exactly like Elvis Costello in that video.
0: He really does. Yeah, it's it's, a, it's the hat.
1: It's the hat and the glasses.
0: It's the hat and the glasses. Yeah, that's all you need for a good Elvis Costello, right?
1: And I think because at that point I had probably just seen Elvis Costello in Austin Powers: The Spy Who Shagged Me, mm-hmm. so I think in my head for a long time I got those two crossed. Now the sweetest thing is of like the U two singles one of my least favorites. I hate this song.
0: It's okay. It's like a Coldplay no. song before Coldplay existed.
1: No, and then this, like, <laughs> I just, I didn't think there was a way for this song to get more annoying, but a gospel rendition certainly does it.
0: Really? You thought this was yeah. annoying?
1: Yeah. <laughs> and really, I hated this one.
0: Like, I didn't dislike it, but I thought I thought it was, I'm not going to say clever, because that sounds bad talking about a gospel uh, group. But just, the I guess, translating the song to, like, the sound of a gospel choir. It worked. It's not my favorite, but I thought it worked. No. Okay. I just,
1: no, it's too annoying. And I think it's just because it's an annoying song. Um, <laughs> now, where does this appear in the film, or does it?
0: I, I think this appears on the radio the first time we see uh, F- Cross's assistant, Grace, in her apartment with her family. Okay. I think that's the song that's playing.
1: Okay. See, I probably thought it was "Put a Little Love in Your Heart," but I think I want to say you're right. Um.
0: Well, that's and- um. That does play. That's the second time we see Grace's family at home. Okay. Yeah.
1: Okay, so I'm not crazy. No. Um,
0: the first time is when um. So Grace is bringing her son, whose name I forget. Calvin. Calvin, thank you, home from the, I guess, the his uh, therapist because he is a, a mute child. He had a traumatic incident when he was very little. He doesn't speak anymore. She's bringing him home from his apo- doctor's appointment and she's like washing her hair in the sink with, and she's drying her hair with the bath towel that her boss Frank so graciously gave her for Christmas.
1: Yes. She didn't even get the VCR.
0: No. She didn't even get the, the, the hi fi VCR. Yes. Next on the soundtrack, we have. Oh, hey, welcome back to the podcast, Dan Hartman. It's the love you take.
1: Yes, it's Denise Lopez. Let's listen. trying so hard to be funky.
0: He wants it so bad.
1: He's really, really trying to be so funky and so dance pop. Um, Yeah, he's got that great blue-eyed soul voice. Again, I Can Dream About You is just one of the best songs ever written.
0: Oh, yeah, totally.
1: Uh, um, I did Streets of Fire on Record Saturday a couple weeks ago, and everybody just like lost their goddamn minds for that song.
0: I know. I, I, I saw that on, on uh, Twitter the other night. Yeah, that was fun. Uh,
1: this song just it's not a proper medium for him because uh, Denise Lopez is kind of a Paula Abdul clone mm-hmm. and it just becomes kind of forgettable. So, yeah,
0: I mean, I already have this image in my head of Dan Hartman as like, he's what you get if you put Hall and Oates in the Brundle pod together. <laughs> and so he's just he's kind of like a clone of a pop artist. Yeah. And this song um, sounds like that.
1: Yes. Um although funny you should mention uh, John Oates because who played um who played Bryce? What's his name? Bryce. Right.
0: Um John Hawks, I wanna say from, So it's John uh, Glover. Uh, John Glover, excuse me, John John Hawks is a different actor, excuse me. Yeah, that's John that's John Glover from uh, Gremlins 2.
1: Yes. Um, John Glover claims that he slept with John Oates. Really? Yeah. Huh. It's sexy. Interesting. Um, now, actually, um, I don't think we mentioned this back in Streets of Fire. Uh, Dan Hartman died in 1994 of AIDS. He was one of the oh, kind of no. early uh, AIDS victims.
0: I, I, um, I did not know that, no.
1: Yeah. And uh, Pat Thrall is playing guitar on this, he had met Dan Hartman um, when they were playing on uh, Tina Turner's Simply the Best, which Hartman produced. Nice. Yeah. And this was one of the last songs that uh, Dan Hartman wanted to do as a soundtrack. He did a couple more, including some for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, mm-hmm. which we'll get back to momentarily. Oh, no. Um, but he was just kind of tired of having his songs played over the end credits. It just wasn't working for him as a musician, which I kind of respect. That being said, I don't know where this song plays in the film.
0: Yeah, I was about to say, well, joke's on him because it's not in the movie at all.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So, um, now, Denise Lopez has perhaps the saddest line I've ever read in a Wikipedia entry, which um, reads, uh, the song I Want You to Know was included in the romantic musical comedy Cool as ice, starring Ninja Rap superstar uh, Vanilla Ice. Oh God! It just it, that it's described as a romantic musical makes me really sad.
0: It also makes me sad that Vanilla Ice <laughs> is described as a the Ninja Rap superstar. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what else should we describe him as?
0: Not the Ice Ice Baby superstar. The Ninja Rap superstar.
1: Go Ninja. Go, Ninja. Go,
0: Ninja. Go, Ninja. Go, 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 go.
1: <laughs> we might have to do Cool as Ice one of these days.
0: We're going to do Ninja Turtles too. Don't lie to me.
1: <laughs> I'm fine. I've never seen any of the Ninja Turtles movies. so.
0: <laughs> I feel like if, if we watched those for this podcast, you would actually destroy me for even, even caring about that.
1: Well, I used to like the Ninja <laughs> Turtles. It was just one of those things I think they were probably like too, my mom thought they would be too violent. I don't uh, know. Oh, yeah. I just, I never saw them.
0: It, it, yeah. I, I was like primetime age for those movies when I was a kid. Yeah. I loved them. I
1: still no. love them. No. The,
0: the soundtrack is extremely
1: 1990. I can't wait. Mm hmm. So, but yeah. Any more uh, thoughts uh, on, uh, <laughs> no, on our friend Dan Hartman now that we're all sad?
0: I apologize. Yeah. I apologize for, for even cracking a joke about him now. But yeah, this song is, it's, Again, it's kind of like A Wonderful Life. It's dance pop, it's 80s, it's fine.
1: Yeah, it's. I think A Wonderful Life is actually a better song. Agreed. Because it sort dance of pop. knows what it wants to be. And this one is sort of bogged down and not being quite sure. Mm-hmm. So I think the other one has a, a clearer sense that it wants to be a Go West, uh, we close our eyes clone. And this one is just kind of third tier. Yeah. Paula Abdul nonsense that sounds so. about right yeah yes
0: well uh, let's move on then to a song whose location in the film I also don't know
1: <laughs>
0: it's Cool Mod with Get Up and Dance
1: I will not thank you
0: parties designed to make you exert energy's released and it works when amplified fortified music supplied it works better more people rock instead of just standing around they get up a- Go, say hold. let the feeling flow, try to show off. Get inside and go off in the wrong world, lost in a groove, in a mood. Do you have any idea where this is in the film? Nope. I want to say it's when it's in like the, the rehearsal space when we see the solid gold dancers who are gonna show up in this adaptation of Scrooge that's that to on TV. Is
1: probably the best guess.
0: Yeah, that's my only guess.
1: Wow. Um, which is hysterical we haven't really talked about their adaptation.
0: Yeah, we should which... we should uh, stop for a minute and talk about that.
1: <laughs> now, uh because it's it's Mary Lou Retton, the gymnast as Tiny Tim, so that she yes. could do like a bunch of handsprings and somersaults and because, because kids flips. love an acrobat. Yeah. And um I believe it's Jamie Farr mm-hmm. as Bob Cratchit. And now Who's who's playing Scrooge? It's this. It's a funny comedian. Oh, what's his name? <laughs> Buddy Wackett? <laughs>
0: I didn't see it coming. <laughs> Cheers to you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I prepped that joke for hours.
0: Oh my god.
1: <laughs> no, it actually is Buddy Hackett. On, um, yeah, it, it but
0: it, it, it genuinely is. <laughs>
1: but the solid gold dancers in their last appearance really yes oh wow um, and there's a a brief joke with the censor who points out that you can see a nipple Mm -hmm. in their extremely sexy dance uniforms i'm sorry mr cross i am the censor and i will not allow this
0: costume on the air
1: why not
0: well specifically
1: you can see her nipples I want to see her nipples. But this is a Christmas show. Well, Charles Dickens would have wanted to see her nipples then. Uh, I think we know that that's true. I think I feel comfortable speaking for Charles Dickens, that he would want to see her nipples. I would agree. Yeah. So, um, (laughs) but yes, that they just, in the middle of this Victorian Christmas, have the solid gold dancers. Yeah.
0: Yeah it's like a um it's okay for for starters it's like a live broadcast of a christmas carol uh broadcast from like six different locations around the world um you know new york city bethlehem blah 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 this place that place
1: there's gonna be the world's largest baptism
0: that yeah something like that <laughs> and but also they're, they're pulling out all the stops to get as many like gimmicky things in this adaptation as possible. You got Mary Lou Retton, the acrobat. You got the solid gold dancers. Uh, Frank's boss played by Robert Mitchum tells him that he needs to include something for the cats that are watching at home.
1: Yes. So they get some dormice with little antlers on them.
0: And Frank tries to tell someone to staple the antlers onto the dormice's heads. (laughs) It's genuinely horrible. (laughs) (laughs) But also the the promo that Frank cuts to to air or to air on TV to promote this is genuinely horrifying. It is really
1: upsetting.
0: More than ever, it is important important to
1: remember the the true meaning 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 of Christmas. Christmas. Don't miss Charles Dickens' immortal classic, "Screw." Your life might just depend
0: on it. I think what it is for me is. It's the shot of the guy, like, leaning out the window with a shotgun and just blowing away the person next to him.
1: Yeah. Or the, the... guy shooting up.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the lady screaming from the acid rain.
1: Good Lord. <laughs> <laughs> so, and it apparently killed a woman.
0: It, yeah, it, it, it scared on a lady so much that it gave her a heart, heart attack.
1: And it also, in its own roundabout way, gets Elliot Loudermilk, played by Bobcat Goldthwaite, our Bob Cratchit character, fired. Now, I wanted to do the whole podcast in a Bobcat Goldthwaite voice, and prior to recording, uh, Joe and I did our best Bobcat Goldthwaite.
0: It would have been two two Bobcats screaming at each other for an hour (laughs) and a half.
1: (laughs) So I I think we should let the listeners decide who does a better Bobcat Goldthwaite. Uh,
0: yeah, I, I know, I mean, uh, I, I don't know about you, but the people listening at home, you know, they don't watch the podcast, they listen to it.
1: <laughs> well, I think they're going to really enjoy this Bobcat Goldthwait off, and they'll decide whether Joe <laughs> I mean, or Libby does a better Bobcat Goldthwait.
0: We'll, we'll let the people decide. Um, so, <laughs> what's, what's the next song on the soundtrack?
1: <laughs> Go to our Twitter and Vote! This is so absurd.
0: Uh- <laughs> you, know, you know, one thing I love about Bobcat Goldthwait is that he, in the last like five to ten years, he's really struggled hard to like break away from that image.
1: So the, you know what I love about Bobcat Goldthwait is he was in a movie called Freaked with Alex Winter.
0: Mm, that is a good one.
1: <laughs> that is a great movie.
0: But like he's actually become like a pretty good, speaking of Alex Winter, he's actually become a pretty good uh, like film director since then. Both of them have, really.
1: Yeah. So like you... good on them. Now make Bill and Ted eight. <laughs> oh
0: God, please. But no, if, if you've never seen uh, a horror movie called Willow Creek, it's, it's a, a found footage, Bigfoot movie directed by Bobcat Goldthwait. It's actually really good.
1: Yeah. I haven't seen it, but I, I was, you know, I went down the Bobcat Goldthwait wormhole mm-hmm. and I was like, I yeah, bet my husband would like that. So maybe he's seen it. He probably has. But um, our next song is uh, actually in the film. It is in the film uh, live. It's not on the radio or anything. And it is Miles Davis and Larry Carlton playing We Three Kings of Orientar. Let's go to a clip, please. <laughs> this also features david sanborn and paul Schaefer. this is a murderer's row of talent Mm -hmm.
0: this this really is like cbs new york uh christmas here
1: yes
0: (laughs) but uh, i love that this well first of all this is like one of the few genuine like actual christmas songs on the soundtrack yes and i appreciate that i appreciate that they just kind of did it straight no fuss no muss they just kind of put a little jazz spin on it It works. It's nice. A
1: little jazz spin. Man, it just like, it smokes. And this appears uh, as Frank is leaving the office to pick up his humanitarian of the year award. He's walking with his brother and they're playing it as buskers. Mm -hmm. And he basically yells, like, learn a new song.
0: (laughs) It's Miles
1: fucking Davis.
0: Fuck you. It's Miles Davis. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. No respect for the for the classics,
1: exactly. So, yeah. and it's just it's such a good version. Mm-hmm. It really, really is. I really and this song it's weird. I don't know what it is, but this song makes me really uneasy, mm-hmm. and always has. I don't know if it's just in a in a like a stressful key or what, but this song has always made me uncomfortable. But this version, like,
0: do you, do this you, mean, I, uh, do you mean this version or this song in general? This
1: song in general, like any version. Oh, okay has always made me uncomfortable. And so this one I really liked, though, and listened to a bunch of times, just sort of for my uh, my own enjoyment. So thanks, mm-hmm. guys.
0: Yeah. I was going to say it's got a we- real weather channel vibe to it. But it's just, it's very smooth and very laid back. And in, in a film that's so manic and aggressive, I kind of appreciate sort of a chance to mellow out for a few minutes.
1: Yeah. Agreed.
0: Even if only, you know, in the background of a scene. Mm-hmm. Like this could have this whole movie could have been scored by uh Miles Davis and I would have probably Holy
1: it. Holy shit, that would have been amazing. Yeah,
0: you know, we love you Danny Elfman but uh
1: nope.
0: Miles Davis. You weren't
1: ready for primetime. <laughs> not quite. Not
0: quite. So, uh speaking of uh speaking of return returning players on the the OST party. Uh it's Robbie Robertson up next with Christmas Must Be Tonight. Night. Come down to the river. It's a song on the soundtrack, all right.
1: Yes. I hate it. If I thought I hated the sweetest thing, I hate this one more.
0: This was, in fact, the only one that I skipped. I got and, thirty seconds into it and said, "Okay, I get it."
1: Yeah, I'm out. Um, and I, it, you know what? It reminds me of the kind of pop Christmas song that they make kids sing at a Christmas pageant in church, Ooh. and nobody likes it. And you no. don't want to be there if you don't have kids. And I like my church, but when it's Christmas pageant day, I just conveniently sleep in. I hate the Christ the children's Christmas pageant. I hate are, it.
0: Now, are you talking about like? Uh, the pre-recorded songs that they make the kids sing along to at the...
1: Yes, at the and they're always just, like, slightly school. off.
0: And it's like, who made this?
1: Yes, well, we know, and it's Robbie Robertson, apparently formerly it's... of the band.
0: Yes. Which band? The
1: like, come band. on, man. You were with the band.
0: <laughs> so his name is one that just kind of goes in one ear and out the other.
1: Yeah, well, apparently he just decided to write, like dopey christian am radio crap (laughs) after afterwards i guess is where we ended up
0: i guess so so does this one appear in the film anywhere
1: who knows who cares probably better not that it doesn't (laughs) or if it does whatever i hate it
0: and uh according to wikipedia this was the last of the seven uh songs released as a single
1: i don't
0: think anyone's ever heard it on the radio if you have let us know
1: Yes, if you've heard it in a garbage department store or if your kids sang it in the Christmas pageant.
0: <laughs> Tell us about the last time you went to Big Lots. <laughs> it's at ostpartypod at gmail.com.
1: <laughs> so, all right. What do we have next? We actually have one that's appeared in the film.
0: Yes, and, and something relevant we can actually talk about. And yes. also it's a, it's an under the covers uh, entry. So that's fun. Yes, indeed. Uh, this is a cover of the the uh, classic rock staple Brown Eyed Girl by uh, Buster Poindexter.
1: Yes, aka David Johansson from the New York Dolls. Yeah. Let's give it a listen. Along the with you, my brown eyed girl Now that Van Morrison is an anti-vax lunatic, mm-hmm. I say that this is the only version of Brown Eyed Girl that we accept.
0: Yeah, and and you know what the weirdest thing about this, I'm pretty sure that okay, I don't I, okay, I actually don't know which one comes first, the Buster Poindexter version or the Jimmy Buffett version, but they sound the same to me, <laughs> and I'm I want to believe that Jimmy Buffett is covering the Buster Poindexter version.
1: We're just I think we're gonna make it canon. Mm-hmm. so either he did or jimmy buffett has a time machine either way
0: i mean both could both could be true honestly
1: yeah so I'm, I'm not going to begrudge jimmy buffett his time machine
0: yeah but this is <laughs> one where th- this guy's voice i don't know man i mean he's first of all he appears in the film as the ghost of christmas past so we have to talk yes
1: about. yes and i'm always very upset by this Because I always think, first, that it's Tom Waits. It is not Tom Waits. And then I think, well, it's Benicio Del Toro. And it is not Benicio Del Toro. It is David Johansson, formerly of the New York Dolls, and a.k.a. Buster Poindexter.
0: It it is the stunt double of both of those actors. (laughs) Both both of those people, excuse me. Um, Tom Waits is an actor. Whatever. Uh, But... Yeah, this was the year that I discovered that David Johansson was also, or Buster Poindexter was also the New York Dolls guy. Because I, I I knew of the two. I just never put them together before.
1: Yes. It blew my mind.
0: Are you, you mean to tell me that the guy who sang Hot, Hot, Hot was in the New York Dolls? Really?
1: I know. It's very <laughs> weird to think about.
0: And, I mean, realistically, that's probably why he did that, to kind of break away from that image. And I respect that. But it's just, it's odd to think about.
1: Yes. And... Again, uh, we could talk briefly about Buster Poindexter in that, that kind of lounge revival scene that the Stray Cats were part of. Yeah. And guys yeah. like the Reverend Horton Heat. Um, he really kind of kicked that off very early with Ha Ha Ha. ha so. Right. Um, although his was a little cheekier than, let's mm-hmm. uh, say, the Blasters or the Stray Cats.
0: And, of course, he has you know, a pretty well-known Christmas song on his own. That cover of uh, Louis Armstrong's Is That You, Santa Claus? But, I did uh,
1: not know he did a cover of that. That makes me so happy.
0: Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. It, that's that's terrible that song. It appears in that new Grinch movie that I hate so much.
1: I hate it now. <laughs> now I hate it. But how could you, uh, how could you do me like this, Buster? Eh,
0: I'll I'll find a good a, a good version of the video and I'll link it to you. But uh, yeah, he. So actually, now that I think about it, that song has no place in in a, in a Scrooge adaptation. So maybe that's for the best.
1: Maybe, but, But, uh, oh, sorry.
0: They had a good idea in actually putting him in the film as the ghost of Christmas past, because he's great.
1: Yes, and this song is actually playing in his cab. He's the cab driver Mm -hmm. that picks up uh, Frank after he has a freak out in the restaurant.
0: Now, did you you recognize the waiter from that restaurant? I don't. It was Socrates from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure.
1: Socrates, I thought he looked familiar. <laughs> it was
0: Socrates, yeah.
1: Very nice.
0: Trying to talk Bill Murray out of ordering the baked Alaska. That's
1: Socrates. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. Um, it, yeah, his cab. Uh, takes he's the ghost of Christmas past, of course, so he goes back to uh Bill Murray's childhood. Right. Um, back to 1955. So I guess he's gonna attend the fish under the sea dance. Of and... course, of
0: course. <laughs> as, as all four-year-olds do.
1: Yes. And, of course, he had sort of this sad childhood. Now, when he says his mom leaves, because she's like, I'm going out. And I thought the implication was that she just never came back. But she's pregnant with James at that point, so she must have at some point.
0: Yeah, so she must have been, you know, stepping out on, on his dad, which is also entirely possible.
1: Because yeah, because his dad sucks.
0: The worst. And it's also his dad's played by his, his brother, Brian Doyle Murray. Yes. <laughs> and his other brother plays uh, Frank's brother, whose name I forget.
1: James. James.
0: Thank you, James.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So the, the whole, not the whole Murray clan, but a lot of Murray's in this film.
1: Yes. Definitely. You're more than your daily recommended serving size of Murray's.
0: Yes. <laughs> I don't know. it's pre- tough. T- t- oh, boy.
1: Yeah, it's tough because uh, David Johansson gives a really, really great performance, uh, but Carol Kane is the one that seals the show.
0: Yeah, she kind of upstages him,
1: which yes. is which is
0: unfortunate because he gives a couple of really good little uh, little monologues when he's talking mm-hmm. about like all the people that he's, uh, you know, he's he's sh- appeared to in the past. You know, when it, when he says like, you know, "I appeared when I showed a tale of the hunter's mother." Niagara Falls. That's <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: great. Well, um, but sure enough, of course, you know, Frank cries. Um, but um, I mean, we're kind of nearing the end of the soundtrack, but I have to ask, because uh, we'll mm-hmm. talk about, you know, we, we mentioned the ghost of Christmas present. Um, sure. There's a scene where uh he meets some homeless guys who I guess think he's Richard Burton. Yeah, And one of them is Anne Ramsey, who is the mom from the Goonies, and also throw mama from the train. Mm-hmm. So very, very wonderful and kind of terrifying woman. Um, and later he sees one of them, uh, Herman, has frozen to death. That scene, to this day, still really, really, really upsets me.
0: That, it, yeah, it, it's, it's such a sad moment, too. Because, like, the actor, Michael J. Pollard, is is a great character actor. I mean, he's going all the way back to, like, um, Bonnie and Clyde. He's always yes. been a, a great, like, second fiddle character. And to see him in this as just, you know, he means well, and he's a little, you know, he's down on his luck. But then to see him just frozen in that sewer is just the most heartbreaking thing ever.
1: Yeah, You're, and like, because don't... everything else, you know, the, the sense that... The Ghost of Christmas Future you can change what's gonna happen there, but that is what's happening in that moment. He can't go back and you know give him the two bucks or tell him to stay at the shelter. Mm-hmm. and there's just nothing he can do. I mean, we see him as an angel um at the end of the film, right. but it's just it's sad and that it lingers like on his frozen smiling body for so long. You moron you jerk. Why didn't you stay
0: at Claire? Why didn't you stay with Claire? She would have taken care of you. You would have eaten. You
1: would have been warm. You might be alive. You'd be a prettier color. I'll tell you that. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's, it just still makes me uncomfortable just thinking about it. But, yeah.
0: um... and it, that's an interesting uh, thing too, because a lot of most of the Scrooge adaptations I'm aware of uh, when the ghost of Christmas present shows up, he shows him sort of the way people are celebrating Christmas you know, now. But in this instance, it's literally, she's showing him things that are happening at this very moment, Mm -hmm. you know? And that's, that's different than, because you, you, you go to, we go to uh, Grace's family's house and she's talking about how she has to get ready to go to the Scrooge premiere later that night. And they go to uh, Frank's brother's house and they're having the Christmas party that we see later in the film. And so it's, it's all kind of happening in real time, which is, I, I, a pretty good little invention, I think. It doesn't take yes. a lot for the story, but I like I like that turn.
1: And the in the the implication in a Christmas Carol is that he has dreamed it, right? Um, and that none of that happened. That it was just sort of there on um, in his imagination, sort of what could be happening. Right. But here, that it very much is happening, because he mentions, you know, the S.S. Minnow. The S.S. Minnow, James. What was the ship that brought them all to Gilligan's Island? The S.S. Minnow. No points this round, James. Because uh, we never get that implication that it was a dream. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not really that he wakes up. It's that he's sort of dropped back in following exactly. the, the... um the scene with the ghost of Christmas future, which is also upsetting.
0: It's also deeply upsetting, but also like, just just to put a button on the Christmas present bit, when we see Herman you know, frozen in the sewer and he's holding that stopwatch in his hand, you know, the implication is, you know, it's too late for Frank to save Herman, but it's not too late for Frank to save himself.
1: Mm-hmm. And but, that oh, leads he's... us into
0: uh, Christmas future, mm-hmm. which, who oh boy.
1: <laughs> yeah, that... Uh, the the, Ghost of Christmas Future with his scary like corpse body, with all the like <laughs> monsters inside.
0: Yeah, full of like like what I imagine, just like souls or something. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's,
1: it's horrifying, uh, and that but it's it's not that because that looks rubbery and fake. It's the TV face.
0: Yeah, yeah, that
1: will haunt your nightmares forever. For-
0: or it's also just like the wall of TVs, as the as that that spirit sort of sort of takes over the entire set of screens.
1: Yes, I, but is thwarted uh, by strange. Bobcat Goldthwait.
0: <laughs> yeah, of course,
1: wielding a shotgun.
0: <laughs> of course,
1: and Scarily singing Christmas songs. I'm I'm disappointed we didn't get the uh, the Elliot Loudermilk uh, Christmas medley. Better oh. not pretend you <laughs> <laughs>
0: You know, Tom Waits could have played that character, too.
1: That would have been good. (laughs) That's so good.
0: (laughs) Mm. Well, I guess now is a good time to talk about the last song on the soundtrack.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: Um, it's it, Again, this is the, really the only time where we get sort of a modern Christmas standard like like any Christmas soundtrack would just throw onto the album because, hey, it's a Christmas movie. <laughs>
1: uh,
0: it's the it's the Christmas song, Chestnuts Roasting on an Open Fire. It's by uh, Natalie Cole performing her father's song. You, you all know it. You all love it. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire.
1: Jack Frost. Carols being sung by a choir.
0: That's the tough thing about this song. Like, it's a it's a perfectly fine cover of the Christmas song, but like, it's just not Nat King Cole.
1: Yeah, and, and I mean, Natalie Cole's voice is stunning,
0: mm-hmm. but
1: it gets to a point where every version you hear sounds the same. Yeah, that's just kind of what this is.
0: And the the original is so good and such a a standard at this point. Why would you want to listen to any other version?
1: Yeah. And
0: and yet, every year, somebody new tries to make us listen to their version.
1: Yeah, you're just, just, no. Just Just, stop it.
0: Just stop. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, and I don't even know where this song appears in in the film. Yeah. As far as I know, it doesn't.
1: Yeah. No idea.
0: So, again, Again, why is it here? It it's it must just be because we have to put a Christmas song on this album. Yes,
1: and that they didn't release this as a single.
0: Yeah, that's odd on its own.
1: So unless it had already been released and used and
0: it's entirely possible because I mean it's Natalie Cole performing her father's yeah. song. So it, it, it kinda it makes sense. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it I don't know why it's here, really. It's fine. Yeah. I don't mind dislike it. It's just couldn't y'all have put Something else on the soundtrack. Yeah. I
1: mean, there's couldn't Buster point extra do it. I don't know.
0: Couldn't you have had the bill Murray cut of put a little love in your heart. Yes.
1: um, Which uh, he does. As we talked about with the whole cast singing and it's the only time that I will allow for a cast sing along. We talked about our dislike of that back on there's something about Mary. I'm gonna allow it yeah. for this one. Yeah. And he tries to get the audience to sing, and also just out of nowhere, quotes, feed me Seymour. Just like, okay, we get it. You were briefly in Little Shop of Horrors.
0: Right. You weren't even you weren't even Seymour. Shut up.
1: Yeah, or Audrey too. You weren't in any scene with the plant. Like, what's going on here? Why are you like this?
0: Yeah, whatever, Bill Murray. <laughs> The, the, the thing that I like about that that bit, though, is when he uh, he tries to get the men to sing and then they st- they like crank up a bunch of male voices on the soundtrack. Like you can hear men singing more and then he's like, all right, now the women. And then they crank up the female voices on the soundtrack. <laughs> like, it's a dumb little uh, uh, detail, but I appreciate it. Yeah.
1: It was it was just it was kind of a neat thing to do. A little uh, fourth yeah. wall breaking.
0: But uh, I, I want to talk about that that ending though, because it, it's kind of it's the best part of the movie, perfectly to be perfectly frank. It's the part of any Christmas Carol adaptation that you want to see is like the the Christmas Day redemption scene. Mm-hmm. But the way Bill Murray plays it, I think, is so u- unique for one, but also just it feels so sincere. Where his performance, the entire rest of the film, is a little like wink, wink, nudge, nudge, kind of knowingly phony. And then all of a sudden you get this moment where in, in sort of the world of the film, you know, Frank has kind of broken and he realizes that he has to be a better person. And all of a sudden, like all of this is just like flooding out of him, the speech. Mm-hmm. And you realize that he's kind of like reasoning it out to himself in real time. Yeah, It's a really great little monologue. And
1: he's ad-libbing as as Bill Murray is he, sort of known to do, which caused some issues with uh, the producers who are not really super big on ad-libbing. But um, yeah but he's it's it is it's all just kind of coming out of him and I do I appreciate it and as we were talking about you know back during put a little love in your heart you know th- this is the time of year when we can be reminded reach out to people and should you be doing it all year yeah but people get busy and you know rather <laughs> yeah. than sit there and feel guilty about what you haven't done you know bring you know, donate some money to the food pantry or sign up for a volunteer shift at your local animal shelter. Just be a better person and stop trying to settle scores. Mm -hmm. Just be good.
0: You have to do something. You have to take a chance. You do have to get involved. There are people that are having, having trouble making their miracle happen. There are people that don't have enough to eat. There are people that are cold. You can go out and say hello to these people. You can take an old blanket out of the
1: closet and say, here. You can make them a sandwich and say, oh, by the way, here. I get it now.
0: Every little bit helps.
1: Yeah. And you never know whose day you're going to brighten.
0: Exactly. And as a personal note, like, this is the scene that more or less inspired me to start a podcast where I talk about Christmas movies all year.
1: That's awesome. I did not know that.
0: Yeah, because I think it was, it was 6 years ago my grandmother passed away. Mm. And that Christmas I saw this movie and that bit at the end where he says, you know, you'll you'll want it every day of the year. This 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 great, you know, feeling of of being a good person, like that really stuck in my head for some reason. Aww. And, you know, Christmas was like my grandmother's favorite thing in the world and, you know, so in in turn it was, you know, our family's favorite day of the year. So I got it into my head that like, well, I can do this. I want to do this. I want to find some way of of putting a little Christmas throughout my entire year. So I concocted this really weird scheme to make my friends watch Christmas movies. <laughs> and <laughs> we've, it's become a bit of a torture gauntlet for them, but I still really love doing it.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. And I think about that every week when I do record Saturday is mm-hmm. it's it's a space where people can just like come and listen to a cool record or a terrible record, depending on the week. And, you know, just sit there and share music with people and let people know that I care about them and that I'm here in this space for them and that I appreciate them and I love doing it. And I do, I, I look forward to that every week. So it is, you know, do something that can also be fun for you, but Ask yourself, you know, like, when I'm doing this, I'm, um, you know, maybe it means something more to the people who you're doing it for. And that's right. awesome, too.
0: Oh Yeah, exactly. So, like, that's my the little thing, little bit that I can do is, like, yeah, I'll watch a Christmas movie every couple of weeks and talk about it. Why not? That's easy. Yeah. Yeah. So, at the, the, you know, the end of the movie is great. Frank gives his big uh, epiphany monologue where he talks about how how great it is to be a good person. And we all, we end the film on a song.
1: Well, sort of. We're neglecting the fact that Bobcat Goldthwait is holding everybody in the booth hostage.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) My, my favorite little moment in that scene is when, um, the head of the network, Robert Mitchum calls into that, the office and he's talking to Bobcat Goldthwait.
1: I want to talk to the idiot who
0: put that moron
1: on the air. Oh, um, Price Cummings is the idiot, really suit, but he can't talk to you right now because uh, he's tied up. In fact, he just said that you are a flatulating butthead?
0: A butthead. But, like, the way he says butthead makes me think, like, Robert Mitchum had never heard that word before. And was just pissed off, like, incensed at the even <laughs> concept of a butthead. <laughs> I love the end of this movie I so know, much.
1: It's so good. It just, because, again, like, it could be very saccharine. Mm-hmm. But that Elliot Loudermilk is holding people hostage at gunpoint, which is not funny anymore, but at the time... Not really, no. Less common, and it's still so weird and that, yeah, he's having this big, like, beautiful moment, and there's a crazy yeah, it, guy, like, up in the booth. Just, yeah, t- like, just takes it from the... becoming too saccharine.
0: Exactly, yeah. And it's, it's very much like the 80s kind of sense of humor of... You know, where a, a guy like Bobcat Goldthwaite with that weird scratchy voice could even become a, a celebrity or a, a movie actor of any kind.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But then also, like, oh yeah, we'll put we'll give him a shotgun and, and we'll have him hold a, a TV station hostage. Sure, why not? That's a great ending for our Christmas movie. Yes,
1: exactly.
0: <laughs> what <sighs> the hell were they smoking in 1988?
1: Cocaine, I guess. I don't know.
0: Cocaine, yeah, probably. <laughs>
1: well,
0: I. <laughs> Do we have any final thoughts on uh, uh, Scrooge?
1: No uh, it's definitely a soundtrack you could listen to year round which is very cool and very rare for this type of film so
0: definitely definitely
1: like you don't have to be Christmas mom but it,
0: it helps if you're like kind of uh, tuned into sort of the late 80s sort of uh, uh, dance pop sound mm-hmm. good Lord is a lot of that.
1: Oh yes. yes indeed. and
0: for some reason. Uh, the, the the New York Dolls guy covers Brown Eyed Girl. Why, yeah. we don't know.
1: We don't know, but we're we're here to welcome it. So, what are we doing next week, Joe?
0: Well, Libby, I, I, hate, to, I hate to break it to you, but dancing is now outlawed. Oh, no! And to prove it, uh, next time on the show, we're going to be discussing Footloose.
1: Oh, well. Hopefully, <laughs> Kevin Bacon will come and show us how to dance and warm our hearts again. And, I don't know, maybe show us his dick. We don't know.
0: Not if John Lithgow has anything to say about it. <laughs> that's gonna be a lot of fun i can't wait
1: yes it's a it's a good movie to start 2021 off with
0: oh yeah it just started with a bang really
1: yes indeed so
0: uh libby where can our listeners find you on the internet
1: you can find me on twitter at libby cudmore you can find me on instagram record underscore saturday or you can find me uh over on the shattered shield podcast joe where can they find you
0: uh they can find me on twitter at cordial wombat or the same on instagram Uh, You can find me on the Christmas Creeps podcast at Christmas Creeps, where we talk about Christmas movies all year round. We just finished our uh, year for 2020, and we're going to take a long winter's nap and then get back to work sometime late in January. So look forward to that. Yes, absolutely. And uh, if you have any questions or comments for us here on the show, you can send those to us at ostpartypod at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at ostparty. Uh, We will try our very best to... uh, ring in the near with some cri- with some uh, soundtrack goodies for you at some point so uh let's keep the party rolling shall we
1: yes so
0: all right well uh i think that just about covers it for ost party for 2020 so yes uh, any any parting thoughts for
1: 2020 no just um, you know happy new year and i uh, you know go go forth and and do good in the world
0: Yeah, Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. (laughs) Happy New Year. So, for the OST Party, I'm Joseph Wade.
1: And I'm Libby Cudmore.
0: Buy the ticket.
1: Take the ride. Did I forget something, big man?